we're going to be doing a B-side version of this episode exclusive on the website where we'll go more in depth on some of the songs and the three final songs on the digital and vinyl versions of this album. We will be doing a live listen and react to. So if you want to hear about those three songs, go check out the B-side. I've listened to Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus 84 times in the past three months. And I listened to it once yesterday. Wait a minute, that sounds wrong. Welcome to Spin It. It's a Connor takeover. everyone welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm connor today's special host and with me an equally special co-host james this feels wrong yeah i figured it would for those of you who are joining us for the first time welcome to spin it but we're doing things a little different this week usually each week we sit down and discuss an album that james has listened to a dozen times and that i've only heard once the night before but this week we're flipping the script james is the one who's only heard the record once and that record is Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. I think I'm being punished for choosing Chance the Rapper last week. Well, it's not really for Chance the Rapper. It's just more for your album choices as of late in general. Lately. Yeah, there's been several low scorers lately, so I thought I'd kidnap the podcast and take us on a Connor ride. It's like a haunted house. Yeah, exactly. Even scarier. It's all real. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about what modern Miley Cyrus has been up to. You know, I've seen the highlight reel, Wrecking Ball, and and party in the USA and whatnot, but even Wrecking Ball doesn't feel accurate to what this album is. I don't know much about Modern Miley either until I discover this album. Yeah, you're welcome for this one, by the way. Do you want to tell the people what brought you to this? So I thought long and hard about what album I was going to choose, and this is not what I expected to be bringing. I discovered this album three months ago after James introduced me to the artist Dua Lipa in episode five when we did Future Nostalgia. Go check that out. Shameless plug. Remember that? All our A1s since day ones. Remember the Dua Lipa episode. So that album has an extended edition in which there's a song that she and Miley did together, which also appears on this album, Plastic Hearts. And so I came over to check that album out and I fell in love with it instantly. Yeah, he hasn't stopped talking about it, honestly, in weeks. So I'm not surprised this is the one he picked. Over the past three months since we did the Dua Lipa episode, I've listened to this album over 84 times. That's a lot for you who doesn't ever listen to to any albums i'm impressed that you kept count honestly i didn't really start counting until a week or two in when i realized i'd listened to it so many times that it would be an interesting statistic and so that's why i say over 84 because that doesn't include the first week to two weeks of listen so i could be pushing 100 by now wow that's impressive yeah another reason i chose this album is that there are several moments in this album that mirror things that i've really zeroed in on in some of our past episodes and so that's kind of a fun little thing i'll point out along the way that's true. This album is full of Easter eggs of things that we've talked about in the past. I know. It felt fitting. Whether that's featured artists, people that did the cover art, people that wrote songs. I was like surprised at how much this album lines up with everything we've done over the last 20 episodes. It was kind of the perfect storm. And so that's why I inevitably went with it over something else that I've known way longer. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into talking about Miley Cyrus, shall we? We shall. But first, let's talk about Destiny Hope Cyrus, because that was Miley Cyrus's birth. <laughs> 
birth name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Before she was Miley. Before she was Miley Cyrus, she was Destiny Hope Cyrus, born to country music singer Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, I heard about that guy. He's got the achy, breaky heart. Yeah, and this is called Plastic Hearts Connection. No, I think so. You know, a, a plastic heart's going to be way less likely to breaky. Yeah, you're right. Her heart might achy, but she's a little more sturdy. <laughs> I hate that. Miley Cyrus has had three U.S. number one albums. Her breakout album, Meet Miley Cyrus. Her album, Breakout. And Bangers, 2007, 2008, and 2013. Wow. She's had six U.S. top five albums. She also had two EPs that debuted in the top five as well. She's also had quite a few popular singles that have topped the top ten in the U.S. Uh, See You Again, The Climb. Oh, everyone loves The Climb. Party in the USA. Wrecking Ball, as you already mentioned. Party in the USA specifically was certified diamond. Man, that makes me want to put my hands up and the butterflies will fly away. I'll nod my head like, yeah, I probably won't move my hips very much. That's not my thing. But you get the idea. She was MTV's Best Artist of 2013, and she was on the Billboard's Greatest of All Time Artists chart in 2019. That's a statistic. She's one of the more successful child actors turned singers. Yeah, that's very true. She's appeared in a lot of things. She was in the animated film Bolt. Yeah, with John Travolta. Remember that? She's been a coach on The Voice in two different seasons. She sure has. She was in an episode of Black Mirror for all the Black Mirror fans out there on the most recent season. She founded the nonprofit Happy Hippie Foundation in 2014, which focuses on youth homelessness and the LGBT community, of which she is a proud member. I didn't know she was a, a founder of that. Let's talk about the album, right? That's usually what you do next. That's usually the order of things. <laughs> Tell me about Plastic Hearts. Plastic Hearts is her seventh studio album. It was released on November 27th of 2020. So this album is a year old tomorrow. Happy birthday, Plastic Hearts. I'm going to get you a plastic cake. <laughs> a plastic cake that you cut with a plastic knife and you blow out plastic candles? Well, I don't know. Maybe because, you know, usually you use a plastic knife to cut a real cake. We cut the plastic cake with... A real knife. A real knife? Are you cutting your are you cutting your real cakes with fake knives? I mean, a plastic knife is practically a fake knife. Okay. I mean, let's be real. You're not cutting much with that. No. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Anyway. Yeah. Happy one year birthday. This album. Uh, again, I'm not the genre guy. I classify it as a glam rock. I've seen it called just a regular rock or a synth pop. Glam rock matches. Kind of pop punky. Yeah. It was surprising. It was very much not what I expected from Miley Cyrus. And again, I've kind of been out of the Miley Cyrus loop for quite a while. Plastic Hearts debuted at number two on the US Billboard 200 and had three singles released off of the album, Midnight Sky, Prisoner, and Angels Like You, all of which did fairly well as singles as well. That's all I really have to say about the album from a top level view. We'll get into the tracks after a little bit of Factor Spin. You ready to take on the mixtaper? Absolutely not. Actually, since this is your takeover episode, I think we should just shove you in the driver's seat. What? I do always play for both of us on the host's team. So, I don't know. Maybe it's your turn. You really want me playing for you? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll take a step back. Well, I guess let's bring out the mixtaper for another round of Fact or Spin. Hey, scoot over. It's me, the mixtaper. Mixtaper, you're doing a different voice than normal. Yeah, well, I uh, I, I figured my normal voice sounds an awful lot like yours, coincidentally, just because we're roommates and your voice is the voice I hear a lot. So I thought that would be confusing, and I decided to mix it up. Uh, trying to keep it less confusing for the listeners. I gotcha. Right, since it's an audio podcast. You sound a little bit like James. I feel like you're trying to throw me off here. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting in your head, playing head games. 
I guess we'll find out if it works. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Are you ready? No. Good. <laughs> I always am excited for a first time factor spin player. Do you play this game often with other people? Then not just us? What I do behind closed doors is none of your business. All right. Well, my first fact goes way back before Miley was famous back to when she was still destiny. Are you ready for it? No, you're not ready for it. One of Miley's first jobs as a child was collecting bras. Man, you don't pull any punches for the newbies, do you? Not at all. You said collecting bras? Bras, yeah, brassiers. Okay, where did she get this job? Funny you should ask. Her father, as you've mentioned, was the famous Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh Uh-huh. And he's a musician. He's got the achy-breaky heart. He would tour frequently. And when he would tour and play shows, he would bring Miley along with him. And she would be around eight years old at this time, okay? All right. And he would go out. He would play a show. And you know Billy Ray Cyrus. He he just slays. Lady killer with the mullet. Business up front. But man, is it a party in the back. And they would express their admiration by removing certain articles of clothing and throwing them onto the stage. So, at the end of the show, Billy Ray Cyrus would have a stage full of bras that he needed dealt with, and he wanted to give Miley something to do, so he gave her $10 a night to pick up all the bras. And this was when she would have been eight? What was minimum wage back then? That's gotta be close. I don't know. How long do you think it takes to pick up a stage full of bras? Did she ever keep any of them? As far as I know, she never kept any, but when she would find a really particularly large bra, she would call out, Hey, Dad, I found your biggest fan. Oh, that's funny. It's really funny. I like that. I like this fact. This is hard. I, I don't I don't envy James when he's in this position every week. I'm going to go with fact for this one. Going with fact. This feels like something Billy Ray Cyrus would do. <laughs> you think enough women threw bras at Billy Ray Cyrus to warrant this? Yeah, why not? I mean, I'm guessing it was really only a couple each night. I'm not imagining the floor littered with them. Fair point. All right, well, you're starting strong. That's a fact. I'm retiring now. We're stopping after one. I'm one for one. You're retiring? <laughs> nope, doesn't work like that. You're stuck with it. But I do feel a little bad that that fact was so difficult and confusing. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit for a next fact that might be easier for you, okay? If you're so concerned about me playing hardball. All right, all right. Miley Cyrus played Hannah Montana in the hit Disney show Hannah Montana. But what you might not know is that she plays an uncredited character in the Disney-owned Marvel. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mixed taper? Yeah, just tell me. I figured this would be more of a fact for the audience because I thought you might have an idea about this. Mixed taper. You should know we're roommates. You know how much I'm a fan of the MCU. I know. You should have known I would know this fact. You watched this movie six times last week, but I couldn't let the audience not know it. Well, in that case, go ahead. Fill the audience in. Let me fill the audience in real quick, and then you can lock in your trivial answer. It's fine. Miley Cyrus is in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. She's the uncredited voice of the character Mainframe in the mid credit sequence at the end of the movie. She only has one line. She says, I miss you guys so much. And of course, there's a chance that the character might come up again in future projects. And there's not a 100% guarantee that Miley will stay the voice actress, but James Gunn said that she knew that was a possibility when she took on the role. So what do you, what do you think? Fact or spin? This is absolutely a true fact. Yep, yep. You're correct about that. Miley Cyrus is in the MCU and that's canon. It is indeed. I'm two for two. Can I retire now? I mostly just needed the audience to know that fact because I came across and it surprised me. The next fact is a doozy, so buckle your seatbelts. Miley was caught after she was the driver during a hit and run incident that she thought she got away with. Oh, okay. How did she think she got away? 
away with it? Just drove off and assumed nobody wrote down a license plate? Like, what happened? Oh, there was no one around. Nobody saw it happen. Okay. This wasn't a two-driver hit and run. This was a stationary hit and run? This was a one-driver hit and run. Miley Cyrus was that driver. Okay, what did she hit? Well, we've talked about how Miley was a judge for a couple seasons on The Voice. Did she hit Blake Shelton? No, she did not hit Blake Shelton. She backed her car into the trailer that was full of the sound equipment. Oh, oh God, that's an expensive trailer. It's an expensive trailer, yes. Apparently, Miley is a terrible driver. She says she can't even make it out of her driveway without some close calls. Hmm. And how did she get caught then? Who saw it? Was there security cameras? Great question. No security cameras. Nobody saw this happen. A little more detail to this fact. She backed up into the trailer. It shattered her back windshield. So she had to get a rental car. Jeez, how fast was she going? Fast enough. So, so she had to get a rental car. And she told her manager to get her a new parking spot that was a little farther away from the set. And she did all this stuff to keep it a secret. She didn't want anyone to know. Okay. But the next day she rolled up to set in her rental car. And of course this crazy thing happened. And she just had to tell Blake Shelton and Adam Levine about it. Oh, of course. However, since she was on set to record the voice that day, she was mic'd up and the sound crew knew right away that she was responsible for the accident. She pretty much told on herself. Okay, so she did get away with it until she confessed. (laughs) Yup, yup. She unknowingly confessed to a hit and run damaging the voice sound trailer. Would you do three facts in a row? You've done it in the past. I quite frequently do several facts in a row. Yes, this is not the first time that I've hosted this game and often have habits <laughs> this just sounds uh this sounds so believable yep well, of course that's the goal your goal is to make it sound believable screw it fact again you're going fact again lock it in for me locked in that's the locked in sound as we all know i'm a little disappointed in myself that's a fact that's true oh yes now can i retire please tell me we're done no we're not done yet <laughs> man i'm gonna roll though i'm way better at this than james was there anything in particular that steered you away from that being a spin that felt too believable to be something you made up okay fine sure my truths are too true i don't know what to do about that it's all about presentation <laughs> well let me present you with my next fact all right she has a pet emu. Why do we talk about pets so much in fact? In well, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is, I promise this is not a repeat of the Michael Jackson fact. So what's this emu's name? This emu's name, uh, it's it's E-M-A. I don't know if it's pronounced Ema, like emu or Emma. So I'm going to call her Emma. We'll go with Emma. That sounds better than Ema. Well, she's an emu. Ema the emu. I don't know. Okay, where does she keep this emu? I call it a pet emu. It's not a pet in the traditional sense. Ema lives on the Hidden Hills Ranch. Oh, another ranch. You sure this isn't a repeat? We're talking about animals living on a ranch? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I'm sure this isn't a repeat fact. Another shameless plug. Go listen to the Michael Jackson extended cut on the website where we talk all about pets. (laughs) If you really like animals, I decided to talk for 17 hours about Michael Jackson's animals. It was a good decision if I say so myself whatever uh what other pets does she have i figured you'd ask so i made a list miley has seven dogs named barbie happy bean dora okay kate moss tanny and daisy she has two pigs i swear this is true her pigs are named puddles and pig pig i love that she has two horses and three cats and of course emma the emu interesting how up to date is this list this list is up to date mm, i don't know if i believe this you hardly know anything about it <laughs> okay well tell me more about it then i'll explain my reasoning when we get to the end but maybe this will change my mind sure so in july 2020 miley bought a house in hidden 
Hills. It's a pretty nice house, but as she was exploring the city, looking for things to do around town, she found the Hidden Hills Ranch. That's where she first met Emma. Emma's been at the ranch for quite a while, and they actually experienced some really bad storms in 2017, and they caused some complications for the emu. She was injured, she lost half her beak in the storm, and she stopped laying eggs. But Miley was at this ranch, and she saw Emma, she heard her story, and she was really deeply moved, because, you know, she's such a an advocate for animal rights. So she actually put $10,000 towards Emma's rehabilitation. And the ranch owners, they were floored. They told her that she could come see Emma as often as she liked. Oh, man. I know, it's a story that'll melt your plastic heart. <laughs> and of course, 2020, all the touring and everything was on hold. So she would go to the ranch sometimes three or four times a week. I still don't know if I believe this. What's what's your sticking point? <sighs> the problem is it could just be a coincidence and maybe you missed it. I swear, I don't know much about Miley's pets, but if there's one thing I do know about her pets, it's that I could have sworn she has a dog named Emu, and you didn't mention a dog named Emu. What? A dog named Emu? I swear that she has a dog named Emu. Are you sure you didn't just read that she was close with this Emu? And like, I don't, that doesn't make sense. I could have sworn it was like, she got this dog after her old dog died. I don't know. I'm just going to lock in spin before I question myself too much. You haven't spun yet. Okay, you're locking in spin. You don't think Emma the Emu is Miley Cyrus's pet Emu? I'm not even 100% certain Emma the Emu exists, but if she does, it definitely isn't Miley's. Locking in spin. Emma the Emu 100% exists, and she is 100% not related to Miley Cyrus in any way. This is a spin. Yes! Miley does have an eighth <laughs> dog named Emu, and that's where I came up with the idea. However... Yes! All the other animals are real? All the other animals are real. Pig Pig is real. Wow, I had no idea. I love Pig Pig. Like I said, <laughs> Ema the Emu is real, and she really does live on the Hidden Hills Ranch. You can go sponsor her. Oh, that's great. Well, good job. You, you <laughs> caught that one. I'm sad. <laughs> I did a little bit of a deep dive into Miley's tattoos, and I'm fairly certain she got a tattoo oh, of this dog. Oh, no. And that's why. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. What's that mean? <laughs> you got another. My next fact <laughs> is that Miley Cyrus has a Teddy Roosevelt tattoo on her arm. Go ahead. Lock that one, in fact. And doesn't her ex-husband have the opposite one, like the other part of the quote? As a matter of fact, he does. <laughs> this is some garbage. <laughs> I just want to point out, I did this deep dive back when I first found this album, not like coming into this episode. Before I even picked this for the episode, I did this deep dive. This is unbelievable. Again, a little more story for the audience then, since you already had this one locked down. It's a Teddy Roosevelt quote on her arm, and it says, So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Basically, it's a quote that says, It's better to try and fail than to just be lame. All right, well... You're on the cusp of the first host perfect week. I would love to be the first host to go perfect. Are you ready for my last fact? Kind of want to miss it on purpose. I feel like I don't want to deal with salty mixtaper for the next week if I if I get this right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's your problem with this. Why don't you just tell me the answer and I'll do the opposite. No can do. My last fact. Man, my fingers are crossed that you absolutely missed this. Miley was kicked out of school, but she's not sure if it was for teaching kids how to French kiss or for 
for stealing her teacher's motor scooter. What? How does she not know? How can she not know? That beats me, but that's what she says. This was kicked out of like her school, like when she was a kid, or did she go visit a school and do this? This was her school. She went to a religious school, so that kind of stuff was a big no-no. Sure. Stealing is a big no-no in most places. I believe this was her late elementary or early middle school, although I couldn't find an exact date. Middle school's about the time kids would be learning how to French kiss. Yeah, and committing Grand Theft Auto. Well, to be clear, when I say stealing a motor scooter, I'm talking about like an electric wheelchair, not a Vespa or anything like that, which is even worse if you ask me. Yeah, it kind of is. I'm evil and I would never do that. So like the, her teacher was handicapped and she stole the wheelchair. To my understanding, that's about how it went down. Again, that sounds like something that a middle schooler would do. Middle schoolers don't necessarily act with the best reasonability. Let's see. You've only done one spin. Do you only do one spin in five truths? Or now this is probably a spin, but do I want to get it right? I'm going to lock in true. You're going to lock in true that she got kicked out of school for stealing a scooter or French kissing and does not know why. Yep. This is absolutely devastating. That's true. What? No. <laughs> yeah. No. That's the first 100% host win. <laughs> and I admit. I admit, I served you up some softballs with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and apparently the tattoo question was a non-starter, so I don't know how much it really counts. Nope, it counts. No, 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 none of these technicalities. You know, I didn't mean to do this, but now that it's happened, I'm absolutely taking credit for it. I cannot believe it. I went with true because I thought for sure this was false, and I didn't want to do the perfect week. Livid. I'm livid. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Some of these facts, if I had told these facts to James, he would have believed none of them. Listen, Nick Saber, I know you like I know myself, all right? Maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, we have the same brain. That's really We just think so much alike. I'll see you in 53 hours. Don't talk to me. Yeah! So stupid. What just happened? Okay. Congratulations on a really good week. You're welcome. You know, I played for both of us. We got our first victory over the mixtaper 100%. We got 100% right there. Go us. I know that I always root for you. I just was hoping to see you have more of a tough time with Factor Spin. For some reason this week, I just... Well, it's because, you know, you usually have a tough time and you didn't want me to just come in with a breeze. Maybe the mixtaper took it easy on me because we're roommates. Yeah, maybe that's it. I, I wanted you to commiserate with me and I understand what i go through all the time and he wasn't up to the challenge well maybe i'll do this again some other time and he'll have another shot to best me i'm sure he's looking forward to it so before we get into the actual songs it's time for some album art right that it is the album art for plastic hearts was photographed by mick rock who is widely known for his work with artists like joan jett and debbie harry yeah mick rock took the picture for joan jett's i love rock and roll cover so you can see some similarities in it shameless plug go check out our episode on Joan Jet. yeah it's very well this version that we're looking at is very pink yeah the normal cover has a pink filter over a picture of her there are other copies out there with a black and white and a full color version but the standard one is all pink and black pretty much which I feel like fits this glam rock punk rock vibe that she's got going yeah I guess it's fitting her shirt has the word censored printed on it which is a bit meta I like that it's kind of meta because absolutely nothing on this album is censored 
sponsored. Hence the parental advisory sticker in the bottom left corner. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a picture of her. Not a lot going on. <laughs> yes, it is just a picture of her. Well, that pretty much covers the album cover. Perfect. Now we can get into what I've been dying to talk about. The songs. A couple things before we get into the first track about my analysis of these songs. Okay. Because this is the first time I've had the privilege of listening to it many, many times. 84 to be exact. So to me, I kind of blended these songs into one cohesive story. Okay. They're not necessarily meant to no, do that. Now, hold up. Are you telling me that you took this non-concept album and you made it into a concept album? Because I will lose my flipping mind. If you tell me Dark Side of the Moon got a seven and you're making Plastic Hearts into a concept album. I'm not not saying that, uh, but I'm also kind of saying that. I don't understand, but I'm willing to hear you out. You've just railed on concept records and you've been sitting on this for months. But the difference is this isn't a concept album, right? I just found kind of a nice thread that ties all the songs together and kind of expanded upon that story in my own head. Okay, so we're about to get Connor's head cannon. Yeah, to me, this is a story of the protagonist who's had a messy breakup and this is their journey after that experience and how it shapes them emotionally. Okay. Which kind of tracks with what this album actually is. This album as a whole, a lot of these songs are inspired by Miley Cyrus's three previous exes. Yeah. Specifically, her ex-husband, Liam Hemsworth, her ex-girlfriend, Caitlin Carter, and her ex-boyfriend, Cody Simpson. And so I kind of expanded upon that common thread and tied them all together like they're all from the same person's point of view. Yeah, that all makes sense. So I'll point that out along the way as we go too. And with that, let's jump into the first song, WTF Do I Know? I don't know. What do you know? I know that I'm better at factor spin than you. That's a low blow. This song was a surprising one for me. Honestly, I had obviously no idea what to expect when I push play on this record and I was pretty hooked on that bass right away. It's a captivating way to start a record. Yeah, this is a great opening song. It gets your heart pumping, sets you up for kind of what to expect on some of the other songs across the album and really lets you know that this is rock and roll Miley Cyrus, not country Miley Cyrus, not pop Miley Cyrus. This is rock and roll Miley Cyrus. Yeah, pretty unmistakably. For me, this is where our protagonist's journey begins. This song kicks off pretty immediately after a breakup so like with the stages of grief denial and anger are some of the first things you experience after a bad breakup and that's kind of what this song's all about wtf do i know about you i thought you were the one but apparently not so whatever this kind of angry denial yeah oh it's a song full of angry denial but not even real denial it's just tongue-in-cheek because obviously i mean this is so autobiographical right and she knows that she's better than all the haters i guess for lack of a better word and this is like oh no yeah maybe you don't want to play me on your station maybe i'm not the person that you want me to be because what do I know about fitting into your mold another common thread that runs through these songs outside of my little headcanon story is Miley's relationship with the media she kind of throws some tongue-in-cheek lines in here directed towards them yeah that's very true this song starts off with this rocking bass line and then this clapping comes in that really drives the tempo of the song really makes you want to actually clap along yeah people looked at me like I was crazy in the coffee shop I was just sitting there clapping along and they went what's he doing is he listening to Miley Cyrus Oh my gosh. I bet you that's what they were all thinking. Well, what do I know? Then the pre-chorus comes in with that more melodic line with the guitar. And then you hit that giant hit. 
Yeah, the chorus was like, boom, pow. You know, it was pretty big there. One of the lines that I love in the first verse, or that pair, I guess, that relates back to exactly what you talked about, like her relationship with the media. I'm completely naked, but I'm making it fashion. Maybe getting married just to cause a distraction. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing things that people will notice and talk about. Absolutely. You know, she's known for her more risque outfits. She said in an interview that, quote, once I came out on stage and I came out and was in full Marc Jacobs dress, completely covered. And all they wrote was Miley is boring. No matter what I do, I'm either boring or a promiscuous woman. But that's not the word she used. Right. She's very fed up with the media's portrayal of who she is. Right. That pre-chorus, it's just so good. Yeah, it does pick up. I really liked this song. And am I fully being you? If I were fully being you, I would put this one in my top three. Yeah, you beat me. I think that's a good idea. You should be me. Pick your top three. Okay. Yeah, then I'll put WTF Do I Know in my top three. All right. I am glad I don't have to pick a top three three this week because I don't know if I could do it. I could pick a bottom three and that's about it. Everything else would be in top three territory. One last little pair of things I wanted to point out about this song too. I like the line, trying to see the stars through the new pollution. Think that I'm the problem? Honey, I'm the solution. That's a great line. It's a big energy line. It's one of the better lines on the entire album, I thought. And then another thing that I wanted to point out, not because of it on this song, but because I'll probably reference it later, is the way that they cut out before the second chorus. That was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. They do that in a couple different places where they'll yeah put a moment of pause in there before they give you the big hit i love it almost every time yeah uh this one was good i liked this one a lot well then let's move on to the title track plastic hearts i was very skeptical it started the bongos the syncopation i did not love it right off the bat i love the bongos yeah they've grown on me i wrote in my notes tasty bongos <laughs> Jeez. yeah i'll admit after hearing the rest of the song come together they grew on me but in the very beginning when it's just the bongos and i have no other framework like i can't put them in anywhere i didn't like that much i thought everything kind of clicked in on the pre-chorus but it felt like a rougher start especially coming off wtf do i know like that's such a high and then it was just disorienting right off the bat hello the sunny place for shady people like that's such a good beat i love that as a matter of fact I didn't like it very much, especially on the chorus too. Like it was better when she had short words. The very first time she does the chorus, it's California dreaming, but she breaks it up like California dreaming. And so the six beats for the four syllables was too much. I would give you California as a stretch, but the rest of it are plastic hearts are bleeding i'm okay with a double syllable i'm okay with splitting one word up twice i'm pretty okay with it i just thought it worked way better on black hole conversation it did grow on me for the most part like as the song went on but the first time it just hit me all wrong i was like really there are a couple sleeper songs on here that really took several listens to click and really jive for me i mean as you've probably now learned it's a lot to take in and come up with deep feelings about songs off of one listen the keep me up all night was a pretty good hook and i didn't realize that she had grown in into such a like a rasp well she's always had that more raspy crispy voice even in her hannah montana days but the style of song she was singing didn't really let her use it that yeah it does make sense i like it i think there are moments that it really works in her favor on this album and i think there were moments that it kind of didn't i don't know again one listen kind of hard to really nail it down but i'm not liking where this commentary is going yeah well the mixtaper didn't like where factor spin went so uh so in terms of our little narrative we got going on we have officially entered the rebound 
period. Your heart's been broken. And so what do you need to replace it with? A plastic heart. So when she says plastic hearts are bleeding, these would be fake emotional responses, right? Kind of going through the motion, but never letting your walls down. That's the whole point of it, right? Yeah, that's the whole crux of the album. And a lot of these songs tie right back into that. That's what our protagonist is doing. Yeah, I really did like the line, love me now, but not tomorrow. Fill me up, but leave me hollow. Pull me in, but don't you get too close. That was good. You've got these tangible examples. They're great, like opposites, right? I like it. I do too. I like this song. I admit that I did two after a while. This one had to sit and marinate. When I took these notes, it was fresh, and we came right off of the big, huge middle finger that's WTF, do I know? If I try to remember back to listen one, I did think that hearing Tasty Bongos right after the big WTF, do I know, was a bit jarring. If I were to listen to it again, it would be way better. It caught me off guard. And so after having listened to this whole album, I think this song would also be in my top three. Really? Wow. I'm okay with that, but also not okay with that again, because everything except three would be in my top threes. There's not much I can do about that. I'm following the rules, unlike you sometimes. Plastic Hearts grew on me, but the first listen is a little surprising. And now... It's time for the first single of the album, Angels Like You. I liked the acoustic guitar start. It was a little softer and quieter. So we really slow things down here, audience. We go into the first ballad, which there are several. There are actually a surprising number. Another reason I picked it. So real fast, before we dive into the song itself, let's talk about the Connorhead canon. Our protagonist has now decided that they're kind of in the self-deprecating phase of the breakup where everything's their fault. All the things that you're saying make sense. I just don't like that you call it a concept record and then have just railed on concept <laughs> albums this is really actually kind of a sad song again she's kind of really putting herself down in the song yeah uh, a little bit uh, i would say a lot a lot but it's it's in a different kind of way than someone like anthony green would have done it this reminded me a lot of anthony green honestly that's was one of the threads i was going to talk about that connected us back to previous episodes was anthony green was the king of self-deprecating songs and not feeling good enough and that's exactly what this is it's true the whole course is because they say that misery loves company she's saying she's misery and she's dragged him down to be with her right this is absolutely in the thematic realm of anthony green yeah i guess it just felt more direct i didn't love the way that we rolled right into the line everyone says i look happy and we put the stress on the wrong syllables i was not a big fan of that i love that it's the middle of everyone and the first part of happy that i just don't like i disagree with that completely i in my notes here have that the ending of the verse the where they go into the everyone says and she goes up and then cascades down as she's bouncing on these syllables. I love that. I like the melody of it. I don't like the words that she chooses to put there. It was one of my highlights of the song. Can't believe we disagree on that. Um, I guess. I, I'm interested to see how that changes after you've been able to hear it again. I'm just really not down for this first verse very much. Well, I at first I really liked the line, the more that you give, the less I need. And then I was like, wait a minute. Of course that's the case. That's how getting something works, right? <laughs> the more that you give me, the less I need. There's continuous need for things. Like, that's how a relationship works. Like, it's not like, oh, you've given me your love. I never need it again. It's a continuous need, but not in this case. In this case, the more love that this person's giving, the less she needs that love. She's almost pulling away, right? Well, sure. You're taking it too literally, and you're trying to make it bad. No, I'm not. Get out of here. What about the chorus hit? Lyrically, okay, lyrically, the chorus is leagues above the first verse. And the cherry on top is the hook. Angels like you can't fly down here with me. That felt really good. It was a very complete, concise, like that's an emotional chorus. And I just didn't think the verses were quite strong enough to support it. That'll be a common thread. I'm going to 
disagree. Uh, fair enough. That'll be my common thread. <laughs> Disagreement is your common thread. Welcome <laughs> to my world. What do you think about the post-chorus? I'm everything they said I would be. Like, it's, again, very self-hating. That's what's funny, because it undermines everything in WTF Do I Know. It's one of those things, like, WTF Do I Know is supposed to be, like, putting on a good face. Yeah, sure. And that's why I think it's clever that that's the first song and not Plastic Hearts that sets up the theme right. of the album. Because everything after WTF Do I Know is like, but here's how I'm really feeling on the inside. Yeah. I mean, that does make good sense. And what even plays into that is the line in the later verse, pretend that it's fine, a little more hurt won't kill you. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then again, just to point it out, we have the one last big chorus and then a nice soft little tag at the end. One of the first times she does it, by far not the last. I like it. Get out of here. I'll kick you off this episode. Okay. (laughs) Well, we've really, this is a full takeover. Up next, Prisoner featuring my girl, Dua Lipa. The whole reason that this album got picked and I found this album in the first place. One thing I noticed about this, and I noticed it on the later songs too. It didn't click until the later songs, but I'll introduce the idea here. Okay. Miley Cyrus has this real propensity to be a musical chameleon of sorts because this song feels like a Dua Lipa song. I mean, through and through the bass, the the tempo is right, the notes are right, and it really feels like a Dua Lipa song, even though it's got this distinct Miley Cyrus twist on it and i was skeptical later about the billy idol feature but as soon as it started i went this sounds just like a billy idol song and that's when i clicked and i was like she really can blend her music into the style of these people that she's featuring really seamlessly and it caught me off guard and if you like the style of this shameless plug go listen to future nostalgia by dua lipa and then listen to our episode on it i did like starting with the empty chorus you know it's nothing but the voice is really sparse i guess and that is a good setup for it plus it does start with the chorus which is something that Miley does not do very much on this record. So in this one, our protagonist feels trapped in the emotions that they're feeling, unable to let go of their ex, unable to get their ex out of their mind, right? This is the second single from the album, by the way. Yeah, understandably so. And I think I'll give it the last top three slot, actually. Whew, knocking all the top three out of the way. You do get one Jamesable mention. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what it would be, isn't it? Doesn't make any sense anymore. But yes. I thought that this was the best verse format on the record so far. And honestly, it stayed one of the better, if not the best ones. I like some of these lines too. Tried to replace it with City Lights. I'll never escape it. I need the high. That was pretty good. So I feel like we need to address the elephant in the room. This is probably by far the most repetitive song on the album. I didn't even think about that. And you know me, Mr. Hates Repetitiveness. But loves Dua Lipa. But gosh, does Dua Lipa do it well? And what does it for me? The reason that it doesn't feel as repetitive as it really is? They keep trading back and forth who's doing it. Yeah, that does keep it varied. They keep just ping-ponging it back and forth. Your brain keeps going, oh, now Dua Lipa's singing. Now Miley Cyrus is singing. Now they're both singing. So you're like, your brain never has time to really focus on the fact that it's the same thing over and over. And when it does, you're like, yeah, but it's catchy. It was. It was pretty good. Maybe I'm a repetitiveness guy now after this. Probably not, but this song sure makes me sound like one. Yeah, I really did love the why can't you, why can't you just let me go. It's so good! That was the best part of this, one of the best parts of this song. I tasted heaven, now I can't live without it. I can't forget you and your love is the loudest. That raised a little red flag with the mixed metaphor. Tasted heaven, can't forget you, your love is the loudest. What's wrong with that? I don't know. Are you tasting it or are you listening to it? Can't forget it. Sounds like you're not a prisoner, you're just choosing to stick around because you can't live without it. I don't know. She tasted heaven, but the love is what's loudest. Heaven's not the loudest. She's not hearing heaven. She's hearing the love and she's tasting heaven. It's not a mixed metaphor. Get out of here. No, yeah, I understand. You checked out the 
the podcast again. You can come back when you have something positive to say. It just felt kind of all over the place. I would have liked it if it was a little more focused in around one of those things or something. Also, this song has some owos on it. Yeah, it does. That was my next note. Was that another thing that I've loved in previous albums that shows up on this one? We got some owos. The owos make their glorious return as well. It's true. This track was really quick and clean, I think. And the main idea was really simple. Yeah. The instrumentation kind of just felt like we did just enough to make this get stuck in your head. So it's memorable. But this song just didn't feel very, like, full. If that makes sense. I don't think it needed to be full. This was just the fun, catchy pop song. It's perfect just the way it is. Don't ever say anything negative about Dua Lipa again or you're kicked out of the fan club. I know. Well, that's also, admittedly, it's kind of Dua Lipa's thing. It, it felt like Don't Start Now. Just that was the kind of energy that it had. Give me what I want and say positive things only about these songs, all right? See what I did there? Transitions are hard. Up next, track five, Give Me What I Want. Give Me What I Want. So this will be the first song on the album that would go in my bottom three interesting it was not my favorite either i'll own that right away it's a bit flat for me you talked about the last one not feeling full or whatever this one was that for me i don't know it's got a cool bass that leads into it the drums really do shine on this song you talked about the digital drums they're great yeah that was nice i did like that this song is about her eventual relationship with caitlin carter it was caitlin's first experience with another woman as for our protagonist though this is about a one night stand obviously and how they're ready to try moving on and this is the kind of rebound that's gonna help them truly get over their ex hopefully oh yeah naturally but the problem is i say hopefully it doesn't necessarily work because we're stuck in this rebound stage for a couple of songs sure now i don't know how to feel about this one because the verse was like okay it was actually i think one of the stronger verses on the record a little bit in terms of just a combined musical and lyrical standpoint the pleasure leads to pain to me they're both the same is a line that i love and i wish appeared in a slightly different song pleasure leads to pain to me they're both the same compared to you might be insane but maybe we're the same that was all right and i did love the first part of the chorus i don't need a future i don't need your past i just need a lover that was fine the rest of the chorus was kind of just whatever but that first part was really really strong the bridge no offense the bridge on this song sucks as a bridge it doesn't change anything about the song there's no change musically there's no change lyrically it's the same thing we've seen just give it to me babe give it to me babe over and over and over again that was not a good bridge i agree this is an example of the repetitivity not working yeah it did not give us what we wanted i agree this is why this song ends up in my bottom three well up next you teased it earlier the billy idol feature night crawling yeah again i was really skeptical about billy idol being on this track but then i wrote it's a great day for a billy idol feature (laughs) (laughs) but i i really was instantly taken right to billy idol with that intro yeah interesting i this is the one i wrote down i'm interested for your opinion on because this was the biggest grower for me um i don't know what it was that wasn't clicking for me but 20 to 30 listens in it clicked and now when this song comes on i'm like yes night crawling sky falling like i just jam out every time it comes on i'm torn on this song i think musically it's uh one of the stronger tracks lyrically again i just you seem to be really struggling with the lyrics and i don't get it i love the lyrics on these songs i struggled a lot with the verses in particular they're way better than a lot of other ones we've done in the past in my opinion i don't know this is just another one where in the verses there's some really easy rhymes good for nothing need your loving ever had stab you in the back sometimes an easy rhyme is what it needs as long as what they're saying is meaningful in verse one i feel like nothing special 
Okay. Sometimes I'm good for nothing. Sometimes I'm the best you've ever had. Sometimes I need your love, and sometimes I stab you in the back. That just felt, I don't know. I, I, like, don't, I like that. I love, again, it's that juxtaposition, you know, the reversal of each line before. So sometimes I'm good for nothing. Sometimes the best you Like, it's this dynamic of going back and forth. The lines become really kind of clever in the way that they're presented to you. Sure, sure. I'm fine with the juxtaposition. I'm just not fine with the content. Like, say something different. Go for a clever rhyme or a cool image or a, a metaphor. Say something that's not just the most, like, third grade way to express what you're trying to say. What? Absolutely not. That's not third grade. I feel like any elementary school kid could write the first verse. Absolutely not. For someone who's been doing music since she was like 14, I really expected a little more lyrically from her, just in terms of complexity. Man, you're, you're treating this so harsh. That's crazy. Because I feel like, again, looking back through the list of things we've done, this has more meaningful content and more catchy rhythms and more impactful lyrics than a lot of the things that we've done. Well, I mean, let's just walk through. Let's you tell me which lines could not have been written by a third grader. I found a meaning, just what I needed. Midnight reflection, craving attention under the disco ball. First off, that disco ball is a reference to Miley Cyrus's real disco ball she has in her house. Yeah. But like night crawling. Sky falling, gotta listen when the devil's calling. Like, that's so catchy. That's so clever. What even is that? De okay, when the devil's calling, gotta listen when they're there. That's the devil calls you to sin, right? It's talking about the sins of having a one-night stand, a meaningless relationship, and meaningless sex. Sure, sure. It's all about the urges to go have a one-night stand. It's so good and clever. Eh, can't shake it, I'll taste it. When it's yelling out my name, I chase it. That, again, just a really simple, like, you couldn't have thought of a better way to say that? The taste of sin, can't shake sin. You're going to go after it. You're going to run after it. Yes, it absolutely works. Billy Idol's verse is cool. Billy Idol's verse is great. This song, I did think the verses musically were stronger than the chorus, which is totally backwards for most of this record. And I don't know. At the end of the day, I was just whatever on Nightcrawlers. If it's a grower, it hasn't grown on me. Up next, the last of the three singles released for this album, Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky was cool. I kind of got 80s vibes from it a little bit. So this is one of the songs that has a different version of it on the bonus track. Yeah, this is a bonus track at the end of the record. Yeah, it's the superior version of the song. I know you haven't heard it yet. Oh. And so every time I hear this song, I want it to be the other song. And so... This song goes in my bottom three specifically because of that. Interesting. I just, every time I hear it, it feels like something's missing. Uh, real fast, check in with our protagonist of my little headcanon story. We're deep in the nightlife, you know, we're out partying. We're having a good time. We're still there. Right, like we said we would be for a while. This is that while. I thought the verse was really strong. It was pretty good. And the way that she sped up at the end of phrases was really refreshing. The pre-chorus was good, but I felt like this is when I started to really notice. Every time we go into one, it pulls back like it does in this song every single pre-chorus is the same wash and fade back a little bit and then we hit the chorus bigger it just it's a formula it's the same formula but executed differently the majority of the time there's a couple that are the same but they're executed differently it felt executed pretty much the same i felt like no i would disagree about that on this one i thought the chorus didn't feel very different from the verse which was nice enough because like i said this is one of the stronger verses the intensity doesn't change i i'm gonna fundamentally disagree with you don't get me started on you being okay with the intensity not changing this <laughs> this whole album is a contradiction it changes I'm just missing a lot of these lyrics, I think. A lot of these are a miss for me, too. I don't get what you're hating with the lyrics. What's wrong with the lyrics? I'll agree with you that this goes in the bottom three, but that's only because of the other version of it. I don't know. Fire in my lungs can't bite the devil on my tongue. Oh, no. 
I just don't think that line adds anything to the chorus. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't take it anywhere new. It's a continuation off of the idea of the I was born to run. I don't belong to anyone. The fire in my lungs would be her loud vocal. She doesn't hide who she is. She says what she's feeling, right? I'm not tied to you. I'll do what I want. I'm going to run and be free and do what I want to do. It's just a continuation of that. Yeah, I mean, okay. It's all right. She just scales it back. She tags these choruses. I mean, as much as she does all kinds of cool stuff in the middle, every song is this really normal verse-verse, pre-chorus-chorus, verse-chorus-bridge-chorus that's quieter, normal chorus, maybe a tag. Everything, everything is that pattern, more or less. But I feel like that makes them feel more cohesive. They're not all over the place. They're not like Kanye or Chase the Rapper who's doing a million different things across an album. They're more cohesive, which is a which is a good thing for an album. From a vibe standpoint, you want it to be cohesive. Uh, yeah, but I don't want it to be boring. One of the notes that I put after I'd listened to the entire album was that if you told me, if you gave me a verse and a chorus from one of these songs, I could lay out the entire song for you, like 85 to 90%, just based off of a verse and a chorus, because you know exactly how it's gonna sound nearly every time this is our most disagreed upon episode i think it's close it feels that way it's shaping up to be i feel like every song we're disagreeing i don't know this was another one that wasn't bad but it just kind of flatlined for me up next hi hello we're slowing it back down another great ballad in my opinion checking in with our protagonist this song you know they're lonely they're hit that point they're tired of all the just meaningless hookups they're like all these meaningless relationships i'm having aren't as good as what i had with you and i'm missing that which tends to sing them that we're almost over the hump i did like the guitar synth combo on this one this is one of those moments where i felt like you know like i said her voice and like the the edge to it serves her really well in a lot of spots this song being quieter slower like it is it was one of the spots where it was less suited for the task not that she sings it poorly what no i think that gives it a interesting tone to the song again it's another sad self-deprecating song but i just i think it gives it some sort of raw guttural energy to it you know she's like singing this raspy slower voice i i really like the tone it gives the song it gets better when you add in the extra vocals on the chorus. It helps round out the sound. But in the very beginning when it was just her, I was like, oh, I did like that hook. You know, I, I did my best saying goodbye and I don't miss you and I don't know why I still feel high. That was pretty strong. Again, she's great at writing a catchy chorus, filling the chorus with decently good lyrics. I just never feel like the verses are with it. The verses are simple, but they're there to set up the story that the chorus is then going to punch you with. Yeah, but I just, I wish the verses had a little more of the punch and a little less of the boring exposition stuff. You know what, what I mean? This is coming from the guy who loves it when they tell a good story throughout a song. I You're do. doing the opposite of what you normally do too. And that's what this is. The verses have to be expositioning in order to set up the story properly. I'm fine with exposition. It's just the verses don't support the choruses well enough most cases on this album. I'm disagreeing again. This, I, um, I did like verse two better. You know, that was a little stronger. Dancing to the record like a movie scene. This whole song is, is nice. I did like this song, but it did feel out of place musically on this record. This one felt way more like Hannah Montana Miley and much less like Wrecking Ball Miley, which is kind of where I would put the rest of this record. This song, Angels Like You and Hate Me, all felt like in the same wheelhouse. And so I don't think it felt out of place at all because, uh, you know, there was three songs on the album that, 
that matched it. Thematically, it fits. This song is all about the high of a past relationship. You know, talking about high like it's a drug. Yeah, but it's about more than that. Can we talk about the way that she sings the goodbye and the whys? The very, like, gospel-y, like, high chorus sound that you hear. Sure. Like I said, the chorus on this one is exceptionally strong. Because you knew where it was going. Like, as soon as you hear it hit the word goodbye, and then it just builds from there, the anticipation for the hit of I still feel high. This song was just so much chorus. We get the chorus situated in our heads after the first or second time, but then we just get so many repeats and refrains and tags of it. Like, okay, so there's more chorus and less verses and less everything else, and you hate it, but you know, it's breaking the mold doing more choruses. Okay, no, no, it's just it's just a lot of choruses, and it's not just this song. It's she does lean into what she does best. She can't win. She can't win. It's just like the media, you know. She dresses in no clothes. She's a promiscuous lady. If she dresses in too much, she's boring. If she does too many choruses, she's boring. If she doesn't do enough different stuff, she's you're just all over the place. What? No, doing too many choruses is still not doing different stuff. I mean, the choruses are the strongest. But it's different than the rest of the album. You said the album was too formulaic. She does, she breaks them all, does more choruses in a song. And that's different from the rest of the songs. It's it's not, it's the ending with the chorus, chorus tag that's really the the final kicker on every song. And that's just where it gets to be a lot. She can't win. She absolutely can. And she does in a lot of places. I really think you're honing in on the more critical things and ignoring some of the more positive things. Because that's what you're focusing on. You'll say, oh, this was good. But then here's this list of things I hate. You're presenting it from a negative light this entire time. On one listen, it's much easier to identify the things that I go, oh, I didn't resonate with this or this is bothering me or this or that. And now you know how I feel when I shred things but still give them decent scores. I just hope you still give it a decent score. Time will tell. When we hear these scores, you're going to be going, please don't hate me. Coincidentally, hate me is the next song. I know I literally just did this thing about I didn't hate it and it's all been pretty good and stuff and you're just honing in on the negative things. As a joke, as a joke, I promise my first note on hate me was all right if you insist <laughs> i want to clarify i do not hate this record i did not another sad self-deprecating song yeah this song had a lot more chord progression movement than i expected there was more of the major to the minor in this song and that was mostly pretty welcome uh-huh feel like i can't say anything critical but i mean this first verse i want you to pick out the part that couldn't be written by a third grader go ahead you can say it's all my fault if it still hurts at all i thought one of these days you might call when you were feeling small I did say earlier when you were hating on it, there were times that it felt a little lackluster, but that wasn't one of them. This was one of them. This is one of the worst lyrical sections on the whole album. I had higher expectations and I was a little bit bummed. Yeah, you know who else has high expectations that she can't possibly meet? Everyone in her life, the media constantly trying to set these unreasonable expectations her lovers who have these unreasonable expectations for how she's supposed to act in the relationship that she just can't meet you are part of the problem you had these high expectations for this and she's not meeting them as i've said before sometimes lyrics have to be more simple so you can focus on what you're hearing and not be too busy trying to listen to what's being said these songs excel musically and the lyrics complement them by not competing with them yeah i mean that's fair enough i really like the chorus it's got a nice twist in it the hook is really strong on this song for as weak as the verses are which is you know i wonder what would happen if i die and i gotta i mean if i were a third grade teacher like grading someone's poetry like this that line would be a little concerning i'll give you the hook of the chorus is maybe on the day that i die you won't hate me and that was unexpected when she does her turn stripping back this chorus i don't think it works she pushes it vocally but strips back all the instruments i didn't think that musically worked as well for the most part though i like the chorus when it's full 
and it's all going on all cylinders. Our poor protagonist is still in that lonely phase, but now, you know, they've reflected on how they miss their ex and they're upset that their ex doesn't miss them. You know, you get the line there that I thought one of these days you might call. It's a great juxtaposition to the last song, High, where she was still stuck on this emotional high from her previous relationship and couldn't stop thinking about them again still in that kind of bargaining phase it's like the oh i thought one of these days you might call is a third grader line when put in the grand scheme of this album and what this album is telling you that's a great line that calls back to some previous songs and really sets like the how she's feeling in this song i think it has more weight to it than you want just because the words are simple but I don't, I don't want the words to be simple. I, I really want to like, I want something to dig into, and this album has almost none of that, you know. But what you need to be digging into is the is the connections and how the songs are relating to one another, and the emotions behind these words and what they mean to the person singing and how they're trying to make you feel like sure the word call is simple but the imagery of hoping somebody's gonna text you or call you is something that a lot of people can identify with and i think the lyric works on that level Uh, i don't know how else you would get that thought across without using the simple word call plenty of ways plenty of ways listen this is not a unique emotion and it's in plenty of other songs it's just not like the execution is lacking (sighs) i disagree I don't I have like the exact opposite thoughts on everything on this album. This. Yeah. Usually we have the opposite thoughts and come to the same conclusion. And it sounds like this is the record that's finally we've had opposite thoughts and hit opposite walls. Like I said at the beginning, all that bad karma coming back to bite me. And that's our next song. Bad karma featuring Joan Jett. Shameless plug. Go listen to that episode. Yeah. Bad karma. My first note on this one was, uh, <laughs> and I want to just say, Okay, if Chance the Rapper is eligible for his do-do-do-do-do's, this song, Joan Jett regains the lead and (laughs) retakes the trophy with uh. Absolutely. I absolutely agree that the uhs overtake the do's and the title changes hands yet again, but I believe it should go to Miley Cyrus. I mean, it's her song. Well, sure, yeah. I just mean Joan Jett can't escape the repetitive award. (laughs) Joan Jett's a part of it, yeah. I think it's the, like, Joan Jett's name is on the award for having won it. It's like the Joan Jett's spin it repetitive award so miley cyrus has the joan jet spin it repetitive award yep yep that's how it works i'm willing to settle on that great and and again just to re-emphasize she's great at this musical chameleon style where this sounds like a joan jet song which again i mean that's a very joan jet kind of idea where she took all these cover songs and made elements of them her own or even wrote her own songs in the style of older songs it was impressive then and it's impressive now this is the other song that rounds out my bottom three and could be a take it or leave it song are you kidding i if there wasn't a better song this would get a jamesable mention really i liked this song the thing i don't like about this song is all the uh uh-uhs oh that makes sense that tracks yeah no i didn't care for all the uh uh-uhs they were weird and felt out of place they do i didn't care for all the moaning now the moaning does pay off on the chorus when you get to the i'll think about it later uh-huh kiss me bad karma uh-uh it does i just even still 84 listens in struggle to get past the uh-uh's uh-uh-uh <laughs> the bridge one of the better bridges on the record i think the rhythmic shift was really cool it was different the bridge goes i don't give an f i don't believe in luck i do what i want to do yeah it's good and it goes more hard 
other notes I have on this, we got to check in with our protagonist, of course. So the protagonist has decided to try to move on, start dating again, but they're not in it. Their heart's not in it. They still have that plastic heart shielding them from really emotionally committing to this new relationship. Oh, I like, I do like where this is going. I like where this story is going into the next song. That's pretty good. You ready to move on? We're getting, we're nearing the end of the normal episode. Again, we'll be doing bonus songs in the B side if you're interested in hearing those. But up next, never be me. So start me in. If you if you're going where I think you're going with this whole concept album thing, this is really like the climax of that for this album. It really is. So like lead in with that. Tell me more. Okay. So our protagonist is reflecting on all these expectations that their previous lovers have held against them and realize that that's not the mold that they want to fit, right? They don't fit into that specific mold of yeah i'm not gonna be this person you're looking for but that doesn't mean i don't want to be everything you need i just can't be that that's the whole point of the song if you're looking for stable i can't do that if you're looking for faithful nope sorry but then you get to the end of the song and you get to the if you're looking for stable that'll never be me but i hope that i'm able to be all that you need if you think that i'm someone to give up and leave that'll never be me like i'm willing to try I'm willing to put in the effort to be what you need, even though I know I can't necessarily meet every expectation. You just have to be willing to meet me halfway sort of thing. This is really like the turning point of that, like you said, where the acceptance has come in, right? If we're sticking with the stages of grief, we're getting into the acceptance stage of this breakup. Is that where you thought I was going with it? Yeah, spot on. Bingo. It's a great song. I love ballads. You know that. Never going to complain about a ballad except when I do. Yeah, you're right. That's always a true statement. Those were pretty much all my notes about it. I didn't have, it didn't stand out to me in any way that like I felt the need. I was going to give my special, I keep wanting to say honorable mention. It's not. The James will mention. I was going to give it to Golden G-String. I think Never Be Me has got it. I was anticipating you giving it the golden G-string. No, I thought about it, and I, obviously, not knowing that I was going to be doing it for the episode, did not even have it in mind when listening, but now that we're talking about Never Be Me, and we've kind of, you know, traced this whole album all the way down, I think Never Be Me is really the one that deserves it. The verses are, again, really simple, but this is, I mean, one of the only songs, I think, that begs a simple verse. The pre-chorus is pretty. Sorry, not to interrupt or pivot but i like the pre-chorus no no yeah by all means i do too and this bridge is another album highlight it's something different it's this repetition of fire we've had this whole metaphor throughout the song of playing with fire that's that's kind of the image then you can't get too close to the sun fire baby you're the only one i'd never lie to you fire you give me a reason to run from the fire it was it was cool and it was surprising and it actually was a huge payoff for the playing with fire thing which i guess is another reason that the simpler verse works out is because that image comes back and it ties in in a way that actually leaves an impact listen i'm never gonna complain about you saying something positive about the lyrics because apparently you hated most of them I think a lot of the lyrics fell a little flat for me. That's true. I did like the last note, too. They had the synth, and it held out for so long. It was very well sustained. Are you ready to talk about what's probably the most surprising song on the album? I was absolutely surprised. Yeah, if you want to talk about most of these albums, like I said, give me a verse chorus. I could predict what's coming 80-90%. Golden G-String is not what I expected. I mean, my first bullet points are not what I expected at all, and wow. (laughs) 
Yeah, you hear a song called Golden G-String and you're not expecting a ballad, let alone this kind of ballad. Yeah, it's uh, it's a surprise. It's a shocker. I said this is the WTF Do I Know song, but in ballad form in terms of like the the venom behind some of the lyrics that she has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these lyrics pack a punch. This song for me really sums up a lot of what this album's talking about. Most of the album had this sort of, you know, relationship-related message. And so, you know, this track zooms out a bit and points a finger at the media who has been following and commenting on all of this you know throughout all these public uh this public divorce and these public breakups the media has been there going oh it's all miley's fault you know this is what you get when you act a certain way kind of rhetoric that she points out that the media loves to say about her this is her moment to kind of zoom out and say yeah you know i was thinking about all these relationships that i've had recently and one common thread throughout all of them is the way that i've been portrayed through it all and how it's affected me and i don't like it yeah it's it's personal it's personal in a way that doesn't isolate her from the audience in fact i think it does the opposite yeah and i think it's a great closer because again it wraps up all of those ideas but yet still in kind of a unique way it's not just summarizing it's reflecting yeah actually that's one thing that i really like about it it's it's much more long form reflective you know if that makes any sense this is actually for being a song that i liked more and that surprised me i didn't have a ton to say about this one which is surprising this is the kind of song i expected all the way through the album and it was kind of a surprise that this was the standout and not the norm so to wrap up our protagonist as well i mean our protagonist goes to the same place that miley herself went to with the song and the protagonist has grown tired of the public life and all the criticism it brings and so they're just gonna focus on themselves and learn to be happy themselves with our own image and how they feel about themselves and not worry about what other people think i think that's a good fitting place for our protagonist to end they've still never actually put their real heart back on the line and that's okay i'm glad the album didn't take it there I kind of would have liked that little bit of closure, though, or at least that new horizon. No, at least it open-ended. I think this song is a good, positive, open-ended. Until we get into some of the bonus songs where my thematicness is going to come back. It comes uh, back <laughs> in the bonus tracks? Wow. Only in one of them. See, I'm okay with it, a good open-ended concept album, and maybe I guess if I understood the record in that way, I would like it a little better, but I just don't and didn't. I hope on your next couple of listens, you think of my headcanon as you listen, and maybe you'll identify with it a little more. I'll keep that in mind. I mean, it seems to be pretty like it holds up you know there's some albums where you're like most of these songs fit but there's an outlier it seems like all of these do fit the mold they could follow a narrative thread this is probably the closest thing to an outlier but like i said i think it still kind of fits from a closure standpoint yeah that's all i pretty much got to say about this and so regular listeners we're gonna go talk about the bonus tracks listen to our b-side yeah we're gonna talk about all the extra tracks there will be all kinds of extra moments of disagreement on the b-side it'll be a really time <laughs> it'll be a real <laughs> time <laughs> it'll be a fun time i like the b-side cuts actually i consider the b-side cuts canon over the normal cut no offense oh yeah absolutely we're gonna jump cut to final spin for you guys and go jump cut back in hello everyone we're back i really did enjoy this album i had a lot of critical things to say i guess but again on a first pass that's mostly just what jumps out at you i agree and i know i was really ripping on you for ripping on it but i understand the position you're in also this is your first time in the driver's seat so i understand yeah it's my first time in the driver's seat i understand your point too it is hard to focus in on the really good things or really dive into what's being said in the themes of the album when all you can do is really take each song as you don't you know you don't know where it's going yet you don't know where it's going to end up yeah you don't know how it relates back you know there's so much complexity you can't get off of a single pass i have to take it as it comes it was uh an experience 
For clarification, I did score it before listening to any of the bonus tracks. Those are not included in the score, so... But they will be included in your official ranking that you give a month from now when we check back in. Yeah, sure. When the time comes. Now, I feel like I should go first for Final Spin since I'm in the driver's seat, right? Uh, yeah, that's the way that it usually goes, sure. All right. Musically, that's probably the strongest category on this album. I think musically, Miley Cyrus has this way of constructing a bunch of cohesive songs that sound different. For music i'm gonna give it a 100 okay okay uh, no now hold on no, i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding that was a joke <laughs> i think i'm gonna give music a i've never done this before a 93 93 okay see it gives you more room to disassemble to deconstruct the album when you rank this way i don't like having that room i like people just go yeah it's a nine i'm done uh-huh lyrically uh, you ripped on it a lot and it's not as strong as the music it's not no that's true but, i mean it doesn't have its moments 84 listens really lets you like, like you said you brought the shovel and you tried to dig and there was nothing to dig 84 times gives you a nice shiny titanium shovel that will let you get down farther than you thought it could be Dude, no you brought the flipping bulldozer you bought the power construction equipment and the drills you're fracking you're all over the place you're fracking plastic <laughs> hearts is what you're doing and so i'm gonna give lyrics just uh you know flat 90 a flat 90 that's not very low at all it's worse than the music but still pretty darn good okay the instrumentation and production is what rivals the music for me i think it's produced really well again the the instrumentations that were chosen the tasty bongos i loved them the clave showing up that was great i'm gonna give instrumentation and production a 91 a 91 oh boy oh boy and finally that brings us to vibe uh, again the head cannon the flow from song to song and so i'm gonna give vibe a 92 yeah okay and so i don't know i'm not used to this squirrels do you have a number for me yeah well we sent your scores off to the math department the math department came back with a 92.7 from you 92.7 i don't like that that, that feels low that feels low <laughs> let me if you put this album where you've just ranked it on to my list uh-huh it ranks number 35 that sounds right 92.7 from you wow what about you tell me your simple score and wacky unit to go along with it i don't know at the end of the day i'm not quite sure how much of an impression this left after one pass it's hard to say and you know that's not to say that it didn't leave an impression but I, i'm also pretty fresh out of it so i don't know yet it's interesting it's it's weird to be in this position so i think my score is gonna be a cool seven uhs out of 10 uh-uh i refuse no absolutely not i'm riding in the streets a seven yeah i think it's a seven for me if i were gonna give it an out of 10 score that's where it is but honestly you're off i'm riding in the streets but i feel no i feel like a seven doesn't accurately represent my feelings about it i want my old method back uh yeah i mean it sounds like you're not happy with my score i'm not happy with your score you want to just abandon this whole thing and flip back flip back we'll flip back at the end yeah just give me a quick rundown of your numbers and what the math department says they are yeah sure the quick rundown i'm giving music an 83 okay pretty strong musically lyrics i just can't i can't get past a lot of it lyrics are getting a 74 70 uh yeah i understand but also come on uh instruments and production like i said didn't add much in a wow standout way but they didn't hurt it that's getting a 79 
Another 70. Oh. Vibe. Again, remarkably consistent. Uh, vibe gets an 86. 86. All right. What's the scroll say that is? That puts the album officially for me at an 81.1. Oh. Where does that put it on the spreadsheet? Numerically, that puts it at number 290. It's almost in the 300s. It ranks below Kanye. You mentioned in the last episode about Chance the Rapper that we talk about Kanye a lot. And I think mostly that's your fault and you have no right to complain about it. I am disgusted. Disgusted. You've not considered all the things it ranks above. I don't care. You took the thing I brought you and that I cherish and you put it below the thing you know I hate the most. Just saying. I'm just saying. I enjoyed it and I'm going to enjoy it. My ranking is a measure of how good it is, not how much I like it. I think this was a fun album to listen to and a fun episode to do. I'm just going to choose to believe that those three bonus songs and a month of listening is going to change your mind. Oh yeah, the bonus songs. The bonus songs were excellent and I think those would enhance some scores. For me though, it's obviously getting nine plastic knives out of ten for me <laughs> okay but yeah if you did enjoy this you should follow us on all the social medias you know that's right at spin it pod on spin, twitter uh, i practiced this I just oh you practiced my... i didn't know you practiced it's just usually you try and mess it up so i just wanted to get ahead of that <laughs> sorry i'm sorry uh run back into it uh, keep spinning no i got this i got this i can do it follow us on uh at spin it pod on twitter you got it at spin it pod official on instagram yes check out our website www.spinitpod.com he's doing it find those inner gold blooms eat that pumpernickel bread and we'll see you next time on another regular episode of the spin it podcast and until then keep spinning keep spinning great job when did you look back and notice that i wasn't running alongside the tricycle with you anymore it's okay deep breath you did it we made it to the end We made it to the end. You don't have to do it again for a while. Never again. No, don't say that. This was fun. You crushed me. No, I enjoyed the album. I liked it.